I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. I think being comfortable all the time makes us weak. Uh, that doesn't mean we have to be uncomfortable all the time, but we should be able to go there and be okay. He beat me during you know, training most of the time, but in competition time, I won almost every race because I was mentally strong, not because I was physically better than him. Organs are just so full of bioavailable and readily absorbable nutrients that it's a no-brainer you know, to make them part of your diet. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com. S-C-H-W-A-N-K grills.com and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Hey, listeners. I'm so excited to introduce you to this wonderful guest named Michael Coomer. He has a sensational website, which I only recently came across, uh, full of really thoughtful and well-presented information about diet optimization, lifestyle, and even technology. He's a total tech whiz, and that's his previous career before he dedicated himself full-time to the health and fitness and the ancestral health scene. He's a big proponent of animal-based eating with sensible intake of the necessary fruit and honey and easy-to-digest carbohydrates that help you perform and recover. So this guy's right up my alley. He's also a former elite international-level junior sprinter. So he competed in the Junior World Championships. He was at the very highest level, uh, running a fantastic 100-meter time of 10.53 back when he was, uh, this is in the under-20-year-old competition. He hails from the great nation of Austria, and he gives us some really interesting and thoughtful background about his uh, athletic uh, endeavors and the important lessons that he learned about uh, mind over body and how to use that tool responsibly and how it can also become your worst enemy. So it's really a wide-ranging show with a real thought leader who's out on the cutting edge and describing everything nicely on his blog. He also is a huge proponent of 
freeze-dried animal organ supplements. You can see why I like this guy. He's got his own brand called MK, bottling up the liver and the other uh, true superfoods of the planet. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, some interesting perspectives about parenting coming in here. So all kinds of fun stuff from uh, Mike Coomer. And we'll have the links in the show notes where you can visit his website and especially subscribe to his email newsletter, uh, which I reference frequently because it was such a great presentation. In fact, I'm going to give you this uh, quick five bulleted list because we didn't get to it in the show. Um, but when you see these things at a glance, it, it means a lot to me because I'm constantly trying to like simplify my message, have it resonate with a uh, a brief conversation if someone happens to be interested without getting into uh, listen to our hour-long show. But sometimes you want to say like, hey, this is what this animal-based uh, diet is all about. And so here's his five bullet points uh, in terms of um, what to do about healthy eating. Number one is avoid all seed and vegetable oils and all products that contain them. Number two is avoid all processed carbohydrates and products that contain them. So that would be sweetened beverages, it would be sugary treats and sweets, and it would be the many uh, refined grain-based products such as uh, breads and cereals and uh, pasta and so forth. Uh, number three, consume predominantly meat and fat from responsibly raised animals. Butcherbox.com slash Brad Kearns. Number four, Make organ meats a regular part of your diet. And if you don't like their taste, use freeze-dried organ meat capsules, mofo, bradkearns.com slash mofo, or michaelcoomer.com, and his product is called MK Supplements. Oh my gosh. Uh, number five, limit your intake of plants. And we didn't get too into that uh, attribute here, but of course I have great content with Dr. Paul Saladino, lengthy interviews, and my reflections on the animal-based movement, especially the rethinking of the role of these widely regarded healthy plant foods in the diet, things like the leafy green family, the cruciferous family, um, and the categories of nuts, seeds, stems, and leaves that potentially uh, can cause adverse reaction due to the concentration of natural plant toxins. So this is um, all about progressing on this journey Mike talks about his various stages of uh, getting into it, starting with uh, viewing the documentary Super Size Me, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it, so enjoy. Mike Coomer, you're a fast guy. I couldn't catch up to you in LA. Uh, no <laughs> wonder, because you got that 10.5300 meters on your, on your resume. It's such a pleasure to connect over Zoom here, and um, I just want to uh, get to know you with the audience, because... You're my kind of guy, man. He's a former elite international junior sprinter and now all about the diet optimization, especially this continued refinement. I love your article. I want people to go to uh, your your website and um, and read some of those great blog articles inside. Of, oh, it was a newsletter article that just laid out your whole journey. So uh, maybe we could start with uh, just getting some background information. Hopefully you'll touch on that sensational 100 meter performance and your background as an athlete <laughs> and take us all the way to present day and what you're doing with the organ meat supplements and all that great stuff. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity, Brad. Um, thanks for, for having me on the show. Uh, but yeah, it was actually, it's not, a, it's not even a newsletter. It's actually one of my um, emails that you get when you sign up for the newsletters. It's like part of the sequence, I guess, to you know walk you through, you know, nutrition, sleep, and, you know, all of those uh, 
things that I consider, you know, important for a healthy lifestyle, stress management, exercise, obviously. And so that was, I think, the, the nutrition um, piece of the segment that you got there. Yeah, it's it's really well done. That's how I found you. Someone sent me a link to one of your articles and um, really thoughtful, very well presented with a big picture perspective. So I'm, I'm anticipating this show, too, is not going to be a high scientific uh, wandering down these rabbit holes that people don't have time. It's really, really sensible. And, um, you know, I, I learned a lot or I, I learned a great way to frame some of this stuff. So um, take us back to your athletic youth, though, in Austria, because I think that's really framed your um, your, your career in health and fitness, too. Yeah, it has. I mean, I was actually in technology for most of my professional life. And even at the time when I was a sprinter, technology was uh, a passion of mine. And that led into, you know, my my first couple of jobs up until um, of April of this year, actually, when I quit my day job in technology. It's been technology um, all along, but also fitness. And, you know, when, when I was when I was a, a teenager, I guess, you know, as part of our school curriculum, you know, our uh, PE teacher was very was he was actually a gymnast in his youth and so he was very much encouraging us to you know seek out certain sports and you know do stuff outside of school obviously and um at some point we stumbled across uh, track and field and I, I mean i can tell you i had zero talent whatsoever i couldn't even run a straight line and i remember the first um like tryout session that i had with uh, my then coach uh, who later became my coach my, my 100 meter coach um, he was trained with with the Russians. You know, he was hardcore. Um, he didn't care about you know your your feelings and you know how you felt that day if you felt like pushing it or not. For him, you know, it was like one hundred and twenty percent, or you stay home. You know, it's as easy as that. And I remember the first couple of sessions, he wouldn't even talk to us. He wouldn't critique anything. He would just you know let us do our thing and and hope that we won't come back. I think that was really. <laughs> That, that was, you know, the impression that, that I've got, man, you know, thinking back, I think that probably was spot on. Uh, but for some reason, we, we, we stuck it out. And that was really the start of, uh, I think, of, of my, my mental transformation in terms of understanding that where I think my physical limitations are mm. isn't really where they truly are. The, the mind is significantly more powerful in many cases than the body. And it's often holding us back from the things that we have, you know, want to accomplish. And, and so that, that was one thing that we'll always, that we'll never forget. And then the second part was, um, we were pushing it so hard and, and also combined at that time, I had zero appreciation for nutrition, for the mm -hmm. importance of sleep, none of that. It was only the exercise component that I was focusing on and that, you know, the people around me knew about, nobody knew about nutrition or anything else. And so I guess maybe part of my less than ideal nutrition led me to throw up three times a week um, during and after workout sessions. And I remember one day it was winter in Austria. It was, the track was covered in snow only. There was only one strip, you know, for us um, <laughs> to, where we could run. And I was, I was throwing up in the corner. Then I was turning around. I was on my back. And the coach came up to me and said, you know, you, you can just stay there, you know, unless you're a winner, basically what was, I don't remember the exact words, but I'm like, you know, you can either stay there or you can get back up and continue the workout. And, and I'm like, 
I'm throwing up, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. But then at some point I realized, well, maybe if he thinks I can do it, maybe I can. And I continued the workout. And from that point forward, that was really for me the, the indication that just because I think I cannot do something doesn't really mean that I can't. Hmm. Chances are I can if I just push through the pain and put in the effort. And that has changed really the rest of my life because I've always been since then pushing it. Maybe in many cases way too much. And I didn't appreciate then the importance for recovery for many, many years. So I was kind of on the on the other extreme of where mm-hmm. many people are. Um, but still, it has helped me tremendously in everything that I've done since then to just push through the pain and, you know, suck it up, get back up and just, you know, get the job done instead of lying around and moping. <laughs> Uh, for the uh, young American listeners who have no idea what you're talking about, that's that's completely <laughs> vanished. Those types of dynamics and those hard ass coaches and those, you know, coming to uh, coming to your, um, you know, your your, your reckoning uh, in those extremely difficult circumstances. Um, maybe we should, you know, hit this subject for a little bit, because uh, I've obviously been through that athletic experience and, and you know, asked myself uh, what more you know, what more was in there and found that there was more in the tank and I was able to come through and pass the guy and win the race. Um, but I know also right. that um, this powerful weapon that we have, the mind over body, can get out of hand. And I, it, it yes. feels like if you call upon it too frequently, day after day after day, but that one turning point in your life is really important to, to recognize that if you were puking uh, on the side of the track in Georgia where you live now, they would have called 911 and they would have said, oh, Mike, right. are you okay? We're going to give you an IV now, sweetie. And here's a blanket. <laughs> that's that's what would happen today. And so we're yeah. missing some of that edge. Uh, but again, as I as I learned over the years and as you describe, um, you can easily lead to becoming your worst enemy because you're such a badass. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, I think everyone should make that experience so they can use that as a tool when it's appropriate, you know? Obviously, continue if, if you always push it and you never allow your body or your mind to recover, or you never accept that you know emotions are an important part of your mental you know wellness as well, and you never connect with others. Um, like you know, in, in that particular case, the coach didn't connect with me on a on an emotional level, but <laughs> I think it would have been the wrong time to do that, you know. Whereas mm. in other cases, be it you know parenting your kids or what have you. Obviously, it's important to connect, you know, before you can maybe correct or, you know, Mm. introduce a change in behavior. But I would argue that everyone needs to make the experience to push what they think are their limits. So they understand that those limits are self, you know, you set your own limits, basically, in many cases. I mean, if you say, you know, I want to fly, well, you know, that's probably not going to fly, right? Uh, but in many other cases, you say, I want to, you know, run a marathon. I want to do this and that. I want to, you know, excel, you know, as a parent in my job. It doesn't matter what it is. Chances are you can do it if you get out of your comfort zone, if you experience discomfort. I think being comfortable all the time makes us weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean we have to be uncomfortable all the time, but we should be able to go there and be okay. Right. Without freaking out and without being in a completely sympathetic response, you know, anytime mm-hmm. something you know, quote unquote, bad happens to us. So do you feel like that uh, training, that experience that you you found through athletics has carried over into your career path and, and other areas when you're launching a new product and have potential to be anxious, fearful, 
and uh, off your game, but instead you you know that um, you can you can apply those same tools of focusing and resilience. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has helped me in every in every corner of my life um, since then. Um, and now, of course, you know, the older I got, the more I learned and appreciated also that okay, this is not the only way of doing things. And I've in the maybe even in the last two or three years, thanks to my wife, who's done mm. a lot of work in that area, especially in, in regards to parenting, you know, where the brute force attack uh, or the brute force uh, way of, of doing things, you know, you suck it up or, you know, where where the connection, where the, you know, the emotional component comes into the equation, you know, she has done a lot of work in that area and I've learned a lot from her and, you know, watching her, how she does things. And I've started applying those in, in my everyday life. So now I, I think I know much better when to force it and when to back off and maybe go a different route, you know? And I think that, and it goes back the same with, you know, metabolic flexibility. You should be able to run on sugar <laughs> and you should be able to run on fat, right? So it's always, you know, there are, there are usually two sides to the equation and you want to be able to tap into both depending on what suits the situation best. Do you feel like there's some uh, areas where you bump up against the cultural trends here in America, and we've we've been told this is the age of the the helicopter parent, or, or excuse me, the helicopter parent. It's now turned into the lawnmower parent because the helicopter parent's flying right. over the kid, trying to orchestrate everything. The lawnmower's in front, mowing the the path down the grass. And um, yeah. you know, maybe you have that reference point from uh, growing up in Europe, which is different, and also growing up in a previous generation, which is different. Right, right. No, absolutely. I think everything I do is is, is counter. You know mainstream uh be it nutrition <laughs> be it uh, you know not really it, it is yeah. you know I, I think overall as a society we've 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 gotten so far away from how humans are supposed to live um not only nutrition wise but also you know sun exposure you know if you follow popular advice you should put on sunscreen first thing in the morning before you even leave the house because the sun mm -hmm. is bad for you right especially um, your you kid get, yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially your kid. Um, you know, you should, you know, having the AC all the time, you know, being like in a in a in a in a very comfortable kind of environment all the time. As soon as there is certain discomfort, oh, we need to we need to do something, you know. So what we are doing is kind of the exact opposite. You know, we are trying to be uncomfortable. You know, we are doing, you know, the cold plunging, the sauna bathing, the you know, crossfit type of workouts, heavy lifting. We eat predominantly meat, you know, all of those things are exactly the opposite of what you know, mainstream tells us it's good for us. And I would argue if you look back, you know, especially the last maybe 100, 200 years and the trajectory in terms of, you know, just overall health, metabolic diseases, you know, be it mental issues, be it physical issues, we are going in a trajectory that's not good. And so how come that everything, you know, people tell us we should be doing that is, you know, the, the right thing to do, the healthy thing to do leads us exactly down the path where we don't want to be, you know? So I feel like with everything we do, it's an uphill battle to do the exact opposite. To you know, do it for ourselves, you know, is one thing. But then also maybe try to convince or educate friends and family and you know the closest people around you. Not even talking about you know general population because that's even more difficult. But yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's rough, challenging. Man. It's yeah. interesting and it's fun, but yeah, it's a battle. I wonder how that goes for you. For example, if you're having a gathering with the neighbors and someone introduces you and they say oh this guy's into health and fitness things um do you like pick your spots where you 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 see that openness or you, do you like to get into it with people that 
you know, we'll, we'll challenge this ridiculousness of eating organs because they're so high in fat and cholesterol. I mean, how does that go in, in real life for you? I typically try to, I, I typically try not to involve myself into those discussions. Um, <laughs> he's, because... just, he's just sitting in the corner with his no excuses shirt on and exactly. oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I put information out there and I'm like, okay, if, if you want to learn from me, if you come to me and ask me a question, if you're, you know, sincerely interested in what I have to say, or if you have questions about, you know, what to do, what not to do, you know, I'm the first guy who, you know, makes time and, and, and walks you through everything mm -hmm. that I know and, you know, tell you about all the mistakes that I've made and why I don't do certain things anymore and why I do other things, etc. But I try not to be that guy that's, you know, if, if I hear like, you know, two people, you know, talking about how great Kale is, and, you know, that, that smoothie they have every morning and stuff. I'm like, you know, I, I have to go because I'm getting an angle stroke inside, you know, and I don't want to, you know, um, you know, be part of that discussion because everyone has to come to, you know, certain realizations, I think, on their own pace. If you try to push something to people who are not ready, mm -hmm. it's not going to go well, you know. But mm -hmm. if people come to you and ask, hey, you know, I've heard that I've seen the liver king, you know, you know, so do you eat organs too or what about your yeah, organ yeah. supplements you know so then i know okay there is an opening people are asking me i share what i know you know but i i try not to push stuff onto people even though can i kind of do with my blog and all but mm -hmm. it's free for everyone to read or not you know at least <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm i i think that's really well said and i'm i'm striving to um align with that myself but it does feel um like a battle going through life sometimes because maybe there is a loud voice across the room uh touting the the kale smoothies and uh perhaps like a physician dispensing uh diet and nutrition advice when they have no training or no necessary necessarily expertise and sometimes i feel like it's time to recoil and you know get uh get a little a little spicy and and you know find that wedge rather than look for the doors that are open to crack you crack them open yourself right. but again sometimes that doesn't doesn't go well but um you know we we both appreciate guys like liver king and saladino and i notice that they're both uh yelling on most of their posts now rather than uh talking conversationally even though they're both super bright <laughs> and it's like for a while i'm like what is this this is i, I know yeah. paul i know brian they're extremely smart and they can sit down and yeah. go over the things but it's like um if people are gonna land and watch because paul's roaming through a store with a secret camera calling Whole Foods uh, hot bar bullshit. I freaking love yeah. it. And I'm inspired by that. So um, I'm going to go with the Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think I think it works. And there's obviously a reason why they are doing this. There are also some I've, I've, I've heard that are turned off by the aggressiveness. Um, and I get that too. I mean, you can't, you know, make it right for everybody. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that they are putting themselves out and, you know, and being controversial on purpose. Um, and maybe even more so than what they really are in person, because I've met right. Paul too in, in Costa Rica, and he's a pretty laid back and reasonable guy, you know. So, yeah. you know, I know he has his opinions on, on on certain things, but I also know that he has, you know, changed some of his diet over the past few years, you know, from a pure carnivore to now, you know, fruits and honey and even dairy, you know, um, certain types of dairy, at least raw dairy and and and, and cultured dairy, at least. Um, but. You know, I, I think that's a good idea. And, and, you know, if I was in a room and I see a doctor, you know, telling someone they need to go on statins because they're, you know, high cholesterol, you know, I would, I would say that's bullshit, you know, and I would speak up. But <laughs> yeah. if it's, you know, a conversation between two friends and, you know, who don't know, you know, 
who are not an authority in the topic or someone, you know, that you were supposed to be able to trust, then I typically let that be. I don't involve myself. But if it's obviously a doctor or someone who people look up to, who people trust, you mm-hmm. know, then I, I would say something. And, and, and I've done it even, you know, with doctors, with our, you know, kids, pediatrician and all, you know, mm-hmm. if I don't like what they have to say, I tell them that they're full of shit, you know? Um, and I don't mean words because, you know, that's, that's dangerous advice, you know, telling yeah. you know, kids to have to, you know, eat their, you know, cereals in the morning or what yeah. have you, you know, that's just, yeah. That's, I mean, it's yeah. speaking of aggressive, um, there's one thing to be, uh, shouting enthusiastically on a post, but like, I just went to my friendly, soft-spoken family physician for a checkup. And she said, well, your, your good cholesterol's this and your bad cholesterol's this. And I said, we don't, we don't, we don't talk that way anymore. We don't call it that, you know, it went right over her head. She didn't ask a follow-up question, but at least I mouthed off a little bit and maybe, yeah, you know, you make a good point. Like maybe six months from now, they, they overheard you talking at the gathering that a kale smoothie might not be the winning move. And then it's going to hit them from another angle and another angle. So just kind of bleeding out. Yeah. I like it. Um, before we get into, um, the, the, the evolution of your diet. And you mentioned how, how Paul's opened up to, to add more carbs and things. Um, uh, something doesn't make sense here, Mike, here it is. You said you had zero talent and then you developed into an elite international junior sprinter. So how does that work? Cause especially with sprinting, it seems to me that it's highly dependent on, you know, that natural talent. When I went to high school, the guys came to first day of track practice and they're smoking up the track. And it's like, Boy, that you know that was that was all they needed. Yeah, and, and I did not do that. You know, I, I sucked <laughs> uh, for for many years, really. And uh, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I have zero athletic talent whatsoever. I think I do have some, and and I have the discussion all the time with my friend. I'm like, you know, you're you're different. You know, you're different. I'm like, I don't think I'm different. You know, I just take certain lifestyle things more seriously than <laughs> most other people, and that's why I'm I'm better. But I also noticed at the time when I was, and I remember this distinctively at the um, the European um, um, the European Championships in in Italy. I came in number five. Uh, the same, they, actually, the, the the guy next to me, the a French dude, he was. We were both, you know, same time, but my chest apparently was like, you know, a fraction of an inch first, you know, over the finish line, and so I came in number five. He came in number six, um, and. A few years later, he showed up at the finale at the Olympics. You know? Le was it Christophe Lematre? He's probably I think that's what his name. He he, he was a two hundred meter guy. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he, he... Christophe Lemaitre is his name. Yeah, I think that was his yeah. name. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, you know, that's talent. I don't have. You know, I would have never been able to do that. I would have been injured so much, and you know, maybe his nutrition was better at the time. Maybe mm. you know he had more. You know, it doesn't matter, but I don't think I, I was at that level. You know, I was for, for many years, I was, you know, even in within Salzburg, when my hometown and, and within Austria, for sure, for sure, I was like, you know, number something, you know, and, and I think it was just me sticking it out and working harder than anyone else who potentially had more talent to win at the end of the day, at least, you know, Austrian competitions and, and some international ones. But. Um, and, you know, my, my buddy, my best friend at the time, he had significantly more talent. Uh, he was a gymnast before. He was better built. He was less injured. He was just a more talented athlete. But I was mentally, and he beat me 
during you know training most of the time mm. but came competition time i won almost every race because i was mentally strong not because i was physically better than him and so I, I always keep that you know in my mind that okay you know i i know that i have a certain talent of course i mean there are some people who might never reach my level regardless of what they do but i also know regardless of what i do i will never reach you know certain other levels so i'm kind of you know in there but nothing i i don't i don't think i'm incredibly talented in, in nothing at what i do in reality you know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's i think a healthy uh perspective and i think you learn that really uh powerfully through sports because i yeah. saw guys that were um more talented than me in different ways and i knew that um it was a whole nother game and there's always someone faster there's always someone up the road and if you can just make the best of um, your skill set and you know leverage those strengths that you talk about um, but it's kind of funny it's you know you, it, it's it's a pretty modest way of looking at it to say that you know you were just at um, you know ho-hum when you're you're going up to a, a super high level and then racing against guys like Christophe Lematre who's I believe the fastest Caucasian in the history of the planet as uh, one of the in in the 100 meters he's um, under 10 seconds there's not too many so he's got a claim to fame there yeah, uh, I've not followed track and field in a while, so I don't even know where he is at or where he was in the last couple of just years. Just some guy, just some like... guy you kick butt on in the juniors, and then he rose to yeah, Olympic <laughs> finalist, long time elite level sprinter. Uh, so you um, you wound up your athletic career at some point. Did you come over here for college to run, or how did it how did it wind up, and what did you go off to next? You know, funny enough, I actually got an invitation, I think, from the University of Oregon or something when I was back home in Austria to come and uh, race for them. And I said, nah, you know, what's the point? <laughs> I don't want to go to the U.S. And, mm. and you know, looking back, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it because otherwise I might not be here right now talking to you if my life is, you know, taking a different yeah. turn. But a couple, for a couple of years, I'm like, I wish I would have taken that opportunity, you know, and really get into a more, you know, professional type of environment with better support and all. Um, but no, I, I came here for um, for work, actually. At some point, I realized in Austria that you cannot make money as a track and field athlete. You either are, you know, a soccer player or a skier. Um, that's pretty much it. So I decided I'm going to focus on, on my career in IT. And that led me to a company in Switzerland uh, who I worked for for a year. And then they asked me if I want to come to the U.S. to help uh, expand their U.S. operations. And that's what I did. I, in 2007, um, it was. And I've been in IT ever since until, as I said, initially, uh, April of this year, where I finally quit my day job to focus only on my blogging and, and supplements. So, geez, how did that go? You had a, you had a full-time job. You're raising a family. and Meanwhile, in your in your hobby time, you were cranking out this very popular blog, and it was building. And then you saw some potential, or what happened there? It, it was yeah, it was really you know, I started in twenty twelve um, with photography blogs or articles and some technology, and basically just sharing what I learned in the, my current passion that I had. You know, and, and photography was for a long time a, a passion of mine, still is, but not as to the extent anymore. And um, you know it. it it started growing. I started learning, um, you know, how to be found on Google because just because you write something and put it out doesn't mean anyone, you know, will find it. So over time, I learned, you know, how how you know search engines work and you know what I have to take into consideration. I started, you know, just producing content and content, and I had then suddenly certain articles that were that had a lot of visitors, 
Um, there are actually some from back in the days that still that still produce a lot of traffic. Um, and so over time, you know, traffic grew, grew, grew. And at some point I realized, well, you know, maybe I can somehow monetize that. Maybe display ads or I don't know, something, you know, might work, maybe affiliate links. And so I started playing with all of those different tools to monetize the blog. This is all and, in your spare time, though? Yeah, yeah, that was all yeah. in my spare time. <laughs> so usually mornings, you know, I, I, I like to get up early. Um, I usually got up at five, you know, blocked until eight and then, you know, started my day job. And, and that grew and grew and, and the, the revenue grew and grew, especially from affiliate sources um, and, and the display ads. And at some point I'm like, wow, you know, this is, you know, I think I was 35 at a time. I told my wife that mark my words, but when I turn 40, I'm going to do this full time. And it was more like a pipe dream. You know, I, I made like a couple of thousand dollars and, but I could see, you know, okay, if, if I can make, you know, a couple of thousand dollars with, you know, what I do now, if I really do this more seriously and produce more content, better content, maybe that'll, you know, scale. And, and it did. And so I reached like the point where, you know, I could cover half of my, my income. And mm -hmm. then at some point I covered my entire income. And then actually before I quit, I had, I think my, my blogging income was three X my, my day job. And I had a fairly well-paying, you know, job in sales, um, as a, uh, VP of sales and marketing. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I've reached that point now where at least financially my day job is the hobby <laughs> and, and my blogging is the main thing, even though I don't spend the entire day blogging, you know, mm. I, I spend it on my day job. And so I said, you know what, the risk is, is, is relatively low and this is really my passion and I'm going to cut the cord and, and yeah, done that in April and it's been, it's been going really well. And then along the line, you know, I said, you know what, maybe a physical, my wife actually said, you should have a physical product, you know? So it's not only digital, it's not only, you don't only rely on Google and their algorithm changes and updates and all, mm -hmm. you know, you need something, you know, that, that can maybe carry you in case, you know, Google does something and suddenly, you know, nobody finds your stuff anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was a you know fair concern. And so we decided, okay, what is it that we could do? What, what is a product that I could see myself using my, using? as well as selling for, you know, years or even decades. And, you know, we talked through different supplements. I'm like, well, it's really organ meats because I believe those are the foundation, at least from a nutrition, micronutrition perspective of what we should be, what we should be eating. And so an organ meat supplement, I think is the perfect, um, the perfect product for us because we, we've been using it. We've been buying from ancestral and hard and soil, you know, and, and, and those brands, great products. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's do that, but let's, you know, try to do things a little bit different, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, add, add some value to something a little bit different that, you know, differentiates us obviously from, from the competition, from our friendly competition and not really competition. Mm -hmm. I think we're all in the same boat there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and that's what I started a year ago and it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, I, I studied economics. That was my major at UC Santa Barbara. And I, I remember some things from a long time ago. And one of them was this economic theory of abundance where um, heart and soil, ancestral supplements, and your brand, what's the name of your brand? MK? MK supplements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're all selling a similar product, but um, the rising tide floats all bolts because the more attention that's paid to this uh, interesting, relatively yeah. new market category is wonderful because yeah. uh, sales grow for everyone. And furthermore, yeah. the real competition is the nasty shit that's been we've been peddling yeah. to um, the, the mainstream, uh, including, you know, synthetic cheap vitamins that you find at the big box store for twelve ninety five, yeah. And um, not only 
probably aren't helpful, but they're probably destructive to your health in certain ways. Correct. So um, yeah. this is all super exciting, and um, we're you know we're we're fighting the uh, the battle together. Um, but I guess right. maybe we should go back a little to you were a young guy. You came over here. You're an IT worker, um, an ex athlete. So I assume you were still doing things to keep in shape and keep healthy. But that first newsletter I get when I sign up at uh, michaelcoomer.com, um, <laughs> a beautiful presentation of the journey that you followed. And yeah. it sounds like one of the turning points was that epic documentary, Super Size Me with Morgan Spurlock That's when right. he ate at McDonald's every day for a month. So what happened yeah. there? That's right. Yeah, I actually fully uh, uh, adopted the American way of life, including the standard American diet. Unfortunately, I'd always Coke and Red Bull and uh, in my fridge, and I remember, you know, going to Walmart, buying, you know, the I think it was like a red Theron pizza that we had almost not not every day, but several times a week. And you know, at some point, you know, I looked in the mirror. I'm like, okay, something has changed, you know, in the last couple of years, and I, I'm not liking it. And and then coincidentally, I met, I met my wife, and she was diagnosed with pre-diabetes. Her blood sugar was significantly higher than it uh, it should have been. And so we stumbled across this documentary and, and watched it. I'm like, this is how much added sugar we all eat every single year. This is ridiculous. So what we need to do is go through our pantry and toss out every single product that has added sugars. And our pantry was pretty much empty at the end of that exercise. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, unfortunately, since well, we didn't know any better, you know, we started choosing because we saw another documentary about choosing, you know, and we we I still have a picture where we came home from the grocery store with all of those greens and carrots and you know some fruits too, and we started choosing for a, for a little bit and then realized that a you know it's it's a pain in the butt cleaning the juicer you know every time, and they don't taste that great either. So let's let's not do this. Um, and then it it took a couple of more years until a a friend of ours um, who was on a paleo diet at the time, but maybe still is you know, mentioned something about, well, we noticed he was eating differently, you know, and he never told us, you know, hey, this is what I do. This is what you should be doing, or this is why I'm doing it. But we noticed that he was eating differently. And then I'm like, weirdo, but you know, whatever, do what you want to do. And, and so, but we started working out together, like CrossFit type of exercise. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, started asking him, you know, so can you eat this? Can you eat that? What about corn? And he's like, no, and I remember this. I will never forget that. He's like, no, corn is the kryptonite of paleo. And I'm like, okay. Not sure why, but I take your word for it. And I started doing research then, and, and I realized that, holy moly, what we've been eating is absolutely awful for us. We need to do paleo. And we were on a, on a family vacation. My mom and, and her husband were over in D.C. during winter. It was like that, that winter storm year in, in D.C. Mm. And I told my wife, I said, we are doing paleo. And I said, I'm going to do paleo starting tomorrow. And he's like, what do you mean you're doing paleo? I am the one cooking. So if you're doing paleo, that means I need to do something differently and extra. So, and you didn't even ask me, so you are on your own. You know, I'm not going to cook for, you know, two different meals just because you want to do paleo now. And so she was really upset about that, but then also started doing research and, you know, asking questions and came to the conclusion that, yeah, I think we need to do paleo. And so we started on a paleo journey. And for us in the beginning, paleo really meant <clears throat> piece of steak and some grilled zucchini. That was paleo for us, you know? And, and what I, one of the things I noticed, like within a week, I, I always had um, irritable bowel syndrome. My dad had it, still has it. 
his dad died actually of colon cancer um, at the age of 48, I believe, oh. so relatively early. And, 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 and I always thought my, my gut issues were completely normal. You know, that's just, you know, right. maybe genetics, maybe it's, you know, what it is. I came to accept them as, as, as a norm. And a, a week into paleo, suddenly all of that was gone. I'm like, holy moly, this is how you're supposed to feel. This is how, you know, feeling good, what it, what it means to feel good. And I'm like, wow, and this was all what we've been eating, you know, so I'm healed. Awesome. And the more we got into that whole paleo, the more we discovered that, hey, you can make every meal paleo, you know, you can use almond flour, you can use tapioca starch to bake cakes, you know, you can use whatever to make pretty much anything paleo. And the more <laughs> potato chips, we got cakes, down to, <laughs> exactly, cupcakes, you know, yeah, yeah. Everything is paleo if you want to. Um, you, can, you, know, <laughs> you, you can just drink maple syrup all day if you're on a paleo yeah. diet. You know, I mean, yeah. not in the original sense of the mm. diet, mimicking how our ancestors would have eaten or ate at the time. But just from a modern paleo perspective, you know, you, you could do anything and it was kind of paleo. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank Portable Infrared Grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, there's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want, into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. But the more we kept doing that, the more my gut issues returned because we were introducing nuts and seeds and vegetables, you know, and all of those things that we had cut out in, initially. And, and then I, I stumbled across keto. I'm like, ooh, you know, this is, really the, this is really what we should be doing. You know, sugar is bad. Carbohydrates are bad. We need to be on keto. And I went back to my wife and said, we have to do keto. And you're like, you got to be kidding, right? We just, you know, started this paleo thing, and now we want to do keto. That means I cannot eat, you know, all of the paleo desserts and all the stuff that we've been making. We can't have them anymore. Like, nope. Cannot, cannot do that. No carbs. And so she didn't want to do it. I started keto. And with keto, with modern keto in particular, you know, there is a lot of nuts and nut butters and a lot of things that are irritating to us that, you know, humans shouldn't really be eating, at least not in the amounts that most keto diets would suggest. Yeah. What about raw and produce so, into the smoothie? Uh, which was my game for a little bit. And this yeah. massive concentration of 
uh, toxins yeah. in their in their most uh, offensive yeah. form. Yeah, that's but all right. keto, yeah. thumbs up keto. All, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, and you know using cheap oils and you know eating. I mean, nothing against bacon, but unfortunately, you know most pigs are raised with corn and and, mm-hmm. and soy in their feet, so their you know linoleic acid content, their omega threes are uh, omega sixes are relatively high. And so if you only eat bacon, you know, canola oil and, and, and keto muffins all day, you know, yes, you're on keto, you're not eating any carbs, but you're probably not doing anything good to your health. And that's kind of sort of what I did. And so my gut, you know, issues got even worse. And I'm like, okay, something I thought keto would, you know, help me improve my health and how I feel, but it actually went a different way. But I stuck it out for three years. I was on a mm. very low carb diet, and then at some point realized that maybe okay. Then I saw you know Saladino kind of you know shifting a little bit more towards carbs, and I under, you know started to realize that maybe not all carbs are bad, and there is a time for carbs. There is a time for you know fat, um, you know metabolic flexibility being the keyword here that you should be able to you know work on with either efficiently, and. And I, and I started realizing that most of the things that we did on keto weren't good for us. Um, most of the things we did in the, our late paleo stages weren't good for us. But really <laughs> going back to a more animal-based approach where meat mm. is at the center, meat and fat and organs, you know, at the center of your diet. And then, yes, you can have carbs, you know, but ideally not from nuts and seeds and grains and all of those things, but from, you know, seasonal sweet fruits, um, raw honey i mean we have bees in our backyard or hives in our backyard so we make our own honey you know so we eat that um and and yeah and, and since then stomach issues gone again um I'm, I'm healed again you know as soon as i or as long as i don't start consuming foods that will irritate my gut again and that that's been kind of the journey and now the entire family is on animal-based diet because it provides enough flexibility if I want to do a low carb, no carb day, no problem. I just eat meat and fat and eggs, and I'm good. And if I want to have more carbs, then I, you know, have honey, I have fruits, I have, you know, what have you. And it's a lot of flexibility that works for my wife, the kids, and for me. So when you were going through those years, especially the three years of of keto, what was your fitness regimen like? CrossFit. It's been CrossFit oh, for the so past you're... few years, and I performed yeah. really well on on low carb, you know, and and. And I would, you know, I argued with many that you, you don't need carbs to to perform well. And while that is true to an extent, it would maybe not be true for someone who is a professional crossfit athlete and mm-hmm. who works out, you know, three times a day. You you, you don't want to rely on your body's ability to make glucose from non-carbohydrate sources because that usually takes longer than you know the little time you have in between workouts. So you need to fuel yourself with glucose if you want to perform well you know throughout the day physically but just as as far as my regimen was concerned i typically worked out in a fast state in the morning um you know running on on ketones i was performing incredibly well if i had to do the same workout again in the afternoon maybe different story but for that one workout you know i had enough you know glycogen in my liver and muscle tissue to fuel the workout Yeah, this is a really important point. I hope listeners will push the backward button and, and listen again because um and and listeners know that I've been reflecting on these ideas really strongly recently, especially motivated by Jay Feldman Energy Balance podcast, where um you were able to perform, you did well, you're on the keto diet, you you're throwing up big numbers at the gym and all that. Uh, but it's possibly uh, more complex and more stressful to the body 
to kick into these mechanisms like ketone burning and uh, liberating fuel from storage versus uh, refueling optimally and kind of lowering the overall stress impact of the various things such as carb restriction combined with high intensity exercise. Yeah, I mean, and, and I also think that everyone is probably a little bit different and you know, maybe someone who is more um, geared towards being a carb burner versus a fat burner. You know, there are some who argue that, well, recovery, um, post-workout recovery is actually better and muscle protein synthesis is better if you only consume carbs and fat at a roughly one-to-one -one ratio after a workout and don't have carbs um, right away. Um, and oxidative stress might be lower, but then, you know, the entire recovery in the long run might be negatively impacted. And it's, it, it's, it's very complex. And I don't think one regimen works for everyone in the same manner. You really have to test it out a little bit, see what works best for you. You know, does it work best for you if you, if you fuel yourself before working out? Is it better to work out in a faster state and then fuel? Should you fuel with glucose? Should you or with carbs? Should you fuel with fat and protein? I do really well working out in a fasted state and then fueling with protein and fat and then later in the day have some carbs uh, just so that, you know, my glycogen stores get properly replenished so I can work out again the next day. Yeah, I think Ben Greenfield talks about that a lot where he feels like he's banking a lot of hours in a fasted or ketogenic state and kicking into those uh, repair mechanisms and all the uh, the things that we celebrate about how the body works better when it's fasted or in ketogenic. Right. And then in the evening time, he has the uh, wonderful family uh, kitchen operation going. His kids mm. have a cookbook even. And so he, right. he will report consuming a lot of carbs uh, at a certain time of day, uh, ensuring that the next day he's he's fully refueled. And I think those big picture insights are are pretty important. But, you know, one of my yeah. big picture insights is I'm trying to do uh, ambitious workout at age 57. So I'm not an elite performer going for the CrossFit Games, but even trying to dabble in something that could be considered a, a young man's endeavor, I'm already uh, stacking a lot of stress factors there. And so I want right. to make it as easy and efficient as possible to perform and recover. And furthermore, I think you might um, chip in here too, like my blood work looks fine, looks great. My body composition is fine. So I don't really see any justification to engage right. in the practice of fasting for me personally. And um, that, you know, that's an example of individuality. Even though I'm right. not no, hungry, right. I feel fine yeah. doing a fasted workout. You know, all those things are true. And I was keto for a while and, um, you know, restricting carb intake for a long time. Um, but I think if we just back up a little, um, the difference between processed carbohydrates and the easy to digest nutrient dense carbohydrates that you mentioned, and we'll talk further, that's a big one yeah. too. Because when we talk about the word carbs, I'm low carb now and I feel better. Well, it's like, yeah, if you got rid of the bagels and the muffins and the paleo, <laughs> uh, the, the paleo crackers, right. that's a big difference yeah. from toning down your fruit intake in the name of health. Right. <laughs> right. No, that's absolutely right. And, and I think just from an evolutionary perspective, you know, I think humans never had a set routine where, you know, eating at a certain time of the day, exercising, meaning, you know, hunting or defending, you know, themselves, you know, against a saber tooth tiger, whatever, at a certain time. I think you want to mix it up. You want to keep your body guessing, you know, fast sometimes, sometimes don't, you know. And, and one thing that's particularly important, I, I believe, is that exercise 
fasting and changing your diet can be stressors or are likely stressors to your body. If you're already stressed out, if you maybe didn't sleep well, you know, and you get up in the morning and you feel already stressed and anxious because of what's ahead of you, maybe that day is not a good day to do to fast. You know, maybe that day is not a good day to push it at the gym. You know, maybe that day, you know, you just want to fuel yourself and take it easy because even if workout and fasting are positive stressors, if your glass is already full, you know, it's going to spill over. And that's not a good thing regardless of, 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 you know, what you do. So you really need to, you know, be a little bit in tune with your body and figure out what is it that you need. Now, of course, you know, if, if you are, you've been on a standard American diet for most of your life and your body tells you, I need, you know, Pringles, you know, <laughs> then that's, you, you probably don't want to follow that, you know, but it, once you are at a certain stage where, you know, you eat well, you sleep well, you exercise well, you can be very in tune with your body and listen to what it needs. And if you need carbs on a certain day, you know, eat your carbs. I mean, it's a very good example. I can't relate because I, I don't, you know, have a, a menstrual cycle, but my wife can tell you that, you know, as your period approaches, you know, she has a different eating pattern. And that's, you know, obviously from an evolutionary perspective, you know, the, the female body gets prepared you know, for child or to, you know, to grow a child, it needs more calories during that time. Now, obviously, if you're not planning on getting pregnant, you know, that's false alarm, so to say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot support, you know, what the body needs at that time and then just back off a little bit once, you know, once that is over, you know, you really have to be or should be in tune and don't try to fight, you know, what your, your body needs at a certain time. And also, you know, one quick note about the fasting. I think there is a a longevity component that is not easily measured on a short term in terms of you know autophagy you know getting your cells or getting your body to kick into that cell recycle program to clean up damaged proteins and all of those things that happen when you don't eat for you know 16 24 whatever hours you know there are i guess certain rates of autophagy mm -hmm. that start kicking at some point and then you know increase or accelerate the longer you fast i think every so often it it's beneficial to fast um do it opportunistically i think that's mm. the best approach instead of planning it like yesterday we went for a hike and we my wife said you know what let's not eat breakfast and we came home at five it was you know 24 hours that we hadn't eaten wow. and it felt perfectly fine because we were out in nature you know we had sun we were walking we had fun um yes we felt started feeling hungry at some point but not to the extent where we were, we were falling apart you know and there was a perfect opportunity to integrate a 24-hour fast um because it was very low stress. If I had a, mm. a busy day in the office, maybe, you know, I, I, I couldn't do that, you know, because I, I feel like I need something to, you know, to compensate for my <laughs> level of anxiety or what have you. You mm -hmm. know, maybe that's not a great way to do that. But if there is an opportunity, you know, integrate some fast um, every so often. And I think it'll, it might help you in the long run. Yeah, you might never find out. <laughs> I guess that's the same uh, if you had a lousy night of sleep, a stressful day at work, or um, you know, ambitious workouts. That might not be the best time to add that uh, further stress of fasting. But at times right, when absolutely. you're, um, you know, uh, on vacation or something, it might be might be opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've been on this uh, step by step journey that you. Uh, bullet point in the um, in the email where first you're eating the uh, the wonderful uh, IT <laughs> diet of whatever's coming in the pizzas from Walmart 
and then you took right. you know your your first uh foray onto the fork in the road and um you know progressing to uh cutting out the sugar then paleo then keto uh then carnivore and then carnivore with some uh additional carbohydrates like animal based with fruit which it seems like um there's a lot of people on this similar journey um yeah. a lot of you know highly respected people like mike mutzel and and rob wolf and paul saladino mm -hmm. and uh, people stating that um they want to kind of extricate from this extreme carb restriction and devotion to fasting to get more fueled overall um how convinced are you that you're kind of at the at the ultimate level here or do you have an open mind that um maybe something's gonna gonna come again and uh, knock us on our socks and then we'll have to uh, recalibrate i, I want to be open you know to, to anything that might come down the pike um I, I you know don't see myself becoming a vegan for example you know i think that's <laughs> uh I, I can rule that out um but you know i i always keep thinking of okay how would i how much or how many carbs would have would have our ancestors had you know on a regular basis because i talked to different people you know saladino said well i had honey quite a bit when he visited the hadza um in africa then i talked to to brian from nose to tail and he said well he he heard about that but when he was there with them he, they didn't really have a lot of honey so i'm like there is probably a lot of variability in terms of you know what people would eat on a daily basis just based on you know the natural resources we have uh, fortunately or unfortunately you know we we have everything at our disposal you know if i want to have meat i have meat if i want to have carbs or fruits or what have you I, I can have that anytime but that doesn't necessarily reflect you know how humans would have eaten for throughout evolution right because you know during winter nothing would grow so I would argue that maybe during winter, you know, those people were on a ketogenic diet because of necessity, right? If they only had animals to eat and maybe some, I don't know, old berries or what have you, or some moss that would scrape off a, a rock, uh, that probably didn't kick them out of ketosis, you know? Um, whereas if they maybe lived in, a, in an area where there was, you know, sun, you know, all year round, then maybe they had more access to carbohydrates. So I think it goes back to listening to your body because my, heritage my genetic makeup you know based on my ancestors might be different to yours right maybe you're more and i actually did a couple of uh, genetic uh, tests and according to them i'm a more efficient car burner than i am a fat burner which really mm. bothered me while i was on keto because i'm like that can't be you know i'm, I'm a keto guy <laughs> you know i burn fat um so you know i, I think I'm, I'm still open to no i know that i'm still open to kind of you know finding out what works best uh for me um but i don't honestly i don't see any significant changes dietary changes such as the ones that i've gone through in the past uh decade so i don't i don't see myself switching completely over to eating bugs or lab <laughs> meat or you know fake meat or plant-based stuff i don't see that happening i think my journey and my trajectory and that of our family is more towards um ancestral living so maybe you know I, I see changes maybe in the way we sleep maybe in the way we live maybe where we live you know what we do on a daily basis schooling I and mean, we just took our kids out of school to you know unschool them or homeschooling wow. so those are still significant changes not necessarily related to diet but to overall to the overall way we live 
in terms of making it more or reflecting better how our ancestors would have lived and to be more in, you know, part of the cycles of nature and part of, you know, all of those things that I believe will keep us healthier than going the strictly modern route of living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very well said. Uh, so what precipitated getting your kids out of school and what do you uh, envision as a as an, a superior alternative? Um, so just the fact that, you know, that I don't think that every kid is interested in the same thing. But in school, obviously, you get taught, the whole class gets taught more or less the same thing. I mean, there are some school models that are a little bit different uh, and more in line of what we envision. But overall, um, we think that, or in particular, our, our daughter, she's very, she comes after me in terms of being very driven, very stubborn, very perfectionist. Um, but also easily stressed out. That's the part that she has <laughs> from my wife, unfortunately. And so by trying to be perfect and by, you know, by, by doing everything perfectly, what the teacher tells her, you know, she was, she, we felt like she was more stressed than she should be as a kid, you know, with deadlines and assignments. And if we are weak on vacation and suddenly there are 20 of assignments that she has to do at home, I'm like, she's in first grade. You know, I remember in first grade that I just learned to write, you know, the, the, the letters of the alphabet, you know, mm -hmm. we were, I guess, more playing than anything else in school, but not really, you know, having tests and, you know, and all of those things that for me felt like much more advanced. And while she was doing exceptional in school, I don't think it suited her from a overall, you know, from the perspective of just being a child, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the same with, with our uh, younger one, Lucas, um, he is significantly more into approaching life with play you know, and, and exploring stuff with playing. And in school, there was not a whole lot of play. It's very structured. And I'm like, you know, both my wife and I said, you know, this is not really how we want to raise our kids. Um, we want to do it differently. And we also don't want to be teachers at home because we don't have the time. So we decided on a, on a model that's called unschooling, where it's very much child-driven um, with support from us. But, mm -hmm. you know, if they want to learn about X, Y, Z, then, you know, they can, you know, go out and collect bugs and whatever. And if they need them to see a video or get a book from the library, we help them, you know, facilitate that to, to learn more. But it's whatever they are interested in. With some minor exceptions like math, that is something that we, you know, bring to the table because I don't see them coming to me and say, hey, how can I, how can I, you know, calculate the square root of whatever. I don't think that would happen maybe much later, but not right now. So we want to give them the math basics but everything else is pretty much driven by them and um and yeah that gives us obviously a lot of flexibility with traveling off season and you know and, and just oh and maybe maybe that's even more important i completely forgot about it but it was really one major component was was sleep because getting to school in the morning meant getting up at a certain time of the day usually 6 15 and and in summer or, you know, in the, in the month where it gets dark later, that means, you know, sending the kids to bed at seven. And like, you know, it, the sun is still out. Why do we have to go to bed at seven? And it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, not from an evolutionary perspective or mm -hmm. from any other perspective. So, but they had to go to bed because otherwise they would have, you know, not be arrested at six in the morning. And so we said, you know, they should sleep until the sun comes up and they can, they should go to bed when it's dark. And we could only do that by removing them from school because sleep is <laughs> for both for all of us super important we are super 
protective of our yeah. even for new year you know we're in bed at a regular time instead of you know yeah waiting until midnight um, i love it so. I, I look forward to partying with you on some new year's eve and, and knocking off at 10 p.m that's my favorite <laughs> thing to do especially on new year's eve that's funny i mean i think um we forget that modern school even today 2022 the same model um was developed back in industrial revolution times to prepare the students for factory work and so it was organized just like right. uh, just like factory where you're you know yeah. i have all these checkpoints and often overwhelmed so i, I credit you guys for taking that that big leap because it takes a lot of takes a lot of courage to do it but boy i mean that's how yeah. careers are headed anyway right we're not going to be going to work in factories most of us so we're going to have to learn to be self-starting and creative and free thinking and all that sort of thing exactly and, and you know one of the sticking points or one of the discussion points we had was you know well what if they want to go you know what if they want to have a corporate job you know that requires a degree and all of those things that lead up to that and i'm like i sincerely hope they never have to work, you know, in corporate America. <laughs> uh, not, not that I ever yeah. did, but yeah. because I was always work, I always worked for small companies where I had a lot of flexibility and you know, do my own schedule and everything. But just visiting, you know, I was in in, in software sales, and so I visited like all the big companies, you know, and and see how those people would work there in cubicle. And if you're you know higher up, you have this crappy office somewhere. I'm like, I would myself you know if i had to work here you know every single day and i'm like i sincerely hope none of our kids make the choice if they do they'll have to figure it out you know if, if that's something they mm -hmm. want to do for the rest of their life but i really hope to do whatever you know makes them happy they follow their passion for me it's blogging and you know producing content and you know talking to people like you um and i really hope that they will have the same opportunity and by doing what we're doing you know i hope that we give them that opportunity so they can discover that without you know having to you know have a, a you know well a regular job at the end of the day you know just sort of pay the bills and you know get through the next you know pay cycle so we'll see how that works out but <laughs> that's funny i mean uh for you know my my career path has been in the athletic world and being self-employed largely and uh, on my own schedule and working in my own environment and now it's like um the 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 myth of this uh th this corporate uh machine has been um toppled with quarantine where you know you don't have to get yeah. on the freeway at the same time and crawl through right. traffic and take the elevator to yeah. this tall building to be a, con a contributing human and i think it's great right. to see this explosion of the economy where yeah. um, people are able to work on their own terms and um, some people that i engage with with my business you know, one of them's in Portugal, the other one's in New Zealand. It's so cool to think like how how the possibilities are are endless now, and yeah. um, just more three thinking is going to be demanded. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So absolutely. you had all these uh, potential uh, products to bring to market, and you guys settled on freeze dried organ meats. I wonder if you can um, just put in a little more uh, info about the importance of including. Uh, the, the nose to tail strategy, the, the animal organs in your diet, and then where the supplements can really uh, fill in those gaps when we're when our A game is not is not happening when we're right. cooking up the stuff every day and slicing up some more heart right. for lunch. You guys want some? Not very common. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, nobody does usually. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I was thinking about as part of my you know blogging uh, gig and reviewing products. 
I've I've reviewed so many different supplements and and uh, and things that I I like and that I you know use occasionally, but there are very few things that I would say I use on a daily basis, or I want to eat on a daily basis. And organs are one of those things. Um, even though fresh doesn't happen every day, and that's really the reason why we decided to go the freeze dried route. Um, I think you know organs are just so full of bioavailable and readily absorbable nutrients that it's a no-brainer, you know, to make them part of your diet. Uh, knowing that you know a plants are not as nutritious as people make them out to be, they have very a lot of anti-nutrients. Many of the nutrients are in a way in a form that the body cannot readily use. It has to be converted first. You know, either carotene instead of you know retinol as far as vitamin A goes. Um, iron, you know, heme versus non-heme iron, et cetera. So there are many things that plants either don't have at all, you know, K2, um, B12, uh, or inversions that are, you know, not readily available. And so I'm like, okay, if, if I want to make sure that I get the nutrients that my body needs, especially because, you know, I have a stressful life, I work out, I do all those things that, you know, put demands on my body, I want to make sure that I am covered, even though I eat well every day but I don't eat organs every day. Um, I do eat them several times a week. You know, I make my own pate. I just made the other day a pate yeah. with uh, a black bear heart and black bear liver. Uh, turned out really good. Um, even less livery than a straight up liver pate, which mm. I usually make. So by mixing in the heart, it kind of took the edge of a little bit more. Um, super delicious with, with a H cheese. Um, but nevertheless, you know, I wanted to have something for the entire family that we all could eat without you know any issues of having to convince the kids that hey liver is good for you you know mm. they're not going to eat that raw liver um, or even the cooked liver um you know and so organ meats freeze-dried organ meats was a, a no-brainer it made sense for us and because it made sense for us i figured it would make sense for a lot of other people who appreciate the advantages of consuming organs but who just don't like the taste and texture or who don't have you know can't get it sourced or don't want to cook it, don't have time to cook it. Uh, maybe they're traveling a lot. So by having it in capsules, it's so easy and convenient and it gets you a full serving of organs uh, without any of the hassles. And so we figured this is a product that I that we can see ourselves not only using for the rest of our lives, but also you know um, selling it for the rest of our lives because it, it, I wanted to have something that you know, if something changes in my perception, you know, be it, you know, I don't know. Google doesn't like consider, you anymore, so they shut down your well, blog. Google, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that or because I changed something in my, you know, mm. maybe, at, you know, at one point I was, you know, using ketones. I still do, but maybe in five years I don't use ketone supplements anymore. If I own a product, you know, what I'm going to do? Either say, you know what, I don't use it anymore, so I stop selling it or have that conflict of interest where I'm, I'm still selling something that I'm not really 100% behind anymore, you know? Nice. And I, I don't see myself, I, I don't see that happening with organ meats. And that's why free start organ meats was a no-brainer for us, starting with liver, because that's, you know, I consider it nature's ultimate multivitamin. That's mm. like the foundation of everything, it has so many um, vitamins and minerals and cofactors and peptides and all. Um, and then, you know, just add on organs for specific, or organ mixes for specific use cases. Like, you mm -hmm. know, some people are, um, very low in iron, you know, anemic. Uh, and so the iron in liver might help, but spleen is the much better source of iron, for example. So, you know, that's why we just launched a heart and spleen supplement to cover some of the 
quote-unquote gaps that liver has. You know, either as a standalone thing, if you're low on iron and everything else is fine, or in combination with, with liver to get the sort of the ultimate coverage in terms of vitamins and minerals. Mike, it's been a pleasure to learn about all this. You got some great stuff going. I encourage the listeners to go and look at your blog and the great articles. Maybe try some of those NK organ supplements. And uh, what else does the future hold for you? Uh, I think we have a homestead right now uh, with bees and chickens. Um, we want to grow that. Ultimately, we want to make our own uh, meat. Uh, butcher our own animals. Mm -hmm. So I think next year we're going to start with meat rabbits. I'm going to start a colony of rabbits and see how wow. that goes. And then at some point, you know, buy a bigger land, more land, and and you know, really go all in with you know cattle and basically you know be self sufficient. I think that's the that's the the ultimate dream out there. So we can we can control our own food supply and don't have to worry about what's going on in the world in terms of you know meat taxes or whatever might or might not come down the pike. Uh, we've talked so much about health and, and nutrition and peak performance, but um, that whole other side of you, which was so fascinating to dig into, listeners, this guy is a tech whiz, and he has these incredible articles <laughs> with going into great detail, reviewing products, and just uh, also talking about where tech can help us with health optimization in particular. Um, so maybe you could give us a little bit of highlights about that side of you, that hobby, um, your review of the eight sleep mattress was incredible. It was like better than anything you could find on the company website. So um, he's Thank a go-to resource for not only your your health and diet tips, but all manner of tech uh, wizardry. Yeah, I think tech has a has an can be an important aspect of of our modern life in particular. I think best case scenario, if you live under the woods, you know, with the loincloth and you know you butcher your own animals. You don't need any tech to be healthy and happy, but that doesn't happen for most of us. You know, so we, we live in a modern world and we have to compensate and, and mitigate for some of the negative aspects of our modern lives. And, you know, sleep is one of those issues. So at the example you gave, you know, a, a temperature controlled sleep system has worked wonders for our sleep and just, you know, the, the quality of our sleep, but also just how good we feel going to bed, knowing it's cool to the exact same mm -hmm. temperature. It doesn't matter how hot the ambient temperature is, or at least not to the extent that it used to. And so those things can can really help. But I think it's also important to understand that technology is not the solution to everything. It's very easy to over-medicate with technology, so to say, and have like a gadget for everything. Because if you think about it, every little thing that you add to your home, is it potential for more EMF exposure? Is it potential for, you know, stress and anxiety? Like how often, you know, if we have a smart home and I kind of now regret it that we started going down that path. Mm. But if you say, you know, hey, smart assistant, you know, turn off the lights and it doesn't work, you're frustrated. And then you go <laughs> and turn them off manually, you know? Yeah. You know, so if everything works well, it can be good, but chances are, you know, too much technology is actually a bad thing. So you really want to keep a balance and, and, and pick those things very selectively that you think can improve your life and just, you know, try to avoid fixing every issue with technology or medication for that matter. Chances mm -hmm. are, if you go away from all of that, you're better off than, you know, going in the opposite direction and, and adding more technology to your life. So. Yeah, there's so many examples of that, like the, the HRV reading, which has now become extremely important. And 
popular, and I've been a fan of that for many years. Um, the continuous glucose monitor, which I also think mm-hmm. is a wonderful tool, but I'm also uh, uh, noticing this sort of um, uh, this adverse backlash where people become obsessed with the numbers and they get a yeah. little disturbed seeing, uh, you know, extreme glucose spikes or uh, a lower HRV number. And um, it can kind of get in your head when you're looking at right. the, yeah. the measuring judging forces of the world are already there. And now we have numbers right. to judge us every day. Yeah. So um, I'm a yeah. big fan of like waking up in the morning and seeing how you feel and going outside and getting some sun and getting moving all the stuff you write about on your blog. And then we'll sit down and talk about, um, you know, why don't right. you give yourself a number? Oh, today's an 88. Okay, congratulations. You just you just scored mm-hmm. yourself. How can you talk right. that? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, they're you know, all helpful tools. If you want to, you know, improve your sleep, it helps understanding, you know, how you sleep, how much time you spend in deep and REM sleep and all of those, you know, uh, sleep cycles. But just going by that, knowing that technology is not perfect, um, you know, it, it can be a source of frustration for no good reason. You know, if you feel great and your aura ring says, you know, you spent 10 minutes in deep sleep, maybe the aura ring is wrong, you know? Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, tell us the best way to connect with you, how to sign up for that newsletter and get those uh, nice information coming into the inbox. Yeah, if you go to michaelkummer.com, I mean, there is a newsletter um, link up in the menu, but chances are if you read any of my articles after a while, you get a (laughs) pop-up that asks you to sign up. Um, So you can always do that. And otherwise, I'm fairly active on on Instagram at mkummer82. And I'm dabbling a little bit with YouTube as well. So I have a channel. I do some video reviews and all. Um, Those are probably the three best sources to find me. Otherwise, out in my backyard, probably without a shirt, and what about those bees? You're, you're not going to get stung? I saw the picture. Your kids are messing with I, the beehive. You guys are all circled around the beehive for a photo op. I'm like, dang. You know, it, it, I learned the hard way that it depends on the time of the year, huh. when the bees are gentle and when they are not. Right now, since the food is scarce, there's not a whole hmm. lot of um, you know, stuff blooming and not a whole lot of nectar to collect. They are pretty nasty and very protective <laughs> of the hive. You know, so I got stung this year several times already but then during you know fall uh, during spring flow like around you know march to june you can do whatever you want to chances are they don't even bother you because they are so busy wow. collecting stuff that you can do whatever you want to so it, it depends but yeah you, you get stung if you have a if beehive you get stung there's no way around just it. how it goes but boy what a great end product yep we collected 65 pounds of honey this year so that was wow that should get us through the year huh Michael Coomer, everyone on the farm in Georgia. Thanks for joining mm-hmm. us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Da, 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 da. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation. 
where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five-star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows. That would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message Thank you so much for spreading the word, and remember, be rad.